It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello everybody and welcome to this week's edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. I am your host, Matt Jones, this week. And joining me from scattered all around Merseyside today are Kyra O'Neill and Chris Beasley. Lots to get into today. From another perspective, of course, Carabao Cup win, Carabao Cup draw, and a big game against Brighton on Saturday. But just before we do, I thought we'd give our listeners just a little note about a new magazine we've got coming out here at Reach. It's all about women's football. It's called Women's Football News. Uh, loads of great features in it from across the network and from our very own Beth Lindup as well, who covers Everton and Liverpool wonderfully well. Uh, if you'd like to purchase it, the link is in the description to this podcast or if you're watching us on YouTube, in the caption on YouTube as well. So check that out if you want to find out more about Everton women and the WSL uh, for what should be a very interesting season. Uh, but lads, let's look back to Wednesday night feels quite a long time ago now, actually. Um, thinking about it, a lot's happened today. Certainly a lot's happened in the, the last couple of days, but a 3-0 win over Burnley. Uh, Bees, I'll, I'll come to you first, mate. Yeah. About as routine as it gets that, doesn't it? And that's not something we've been be able to... Yeah. Oh, we, we said it a couple of weeks ago at home against Bournemouth, actually, but as a, as a <laughs> rule for Everton, we've not been able to say it much over the last few years. Certainly not in the League Cup over the years. Wow. Yeah. Um I mean, what difference a, a year makes, I was going to say. I mean, there's more to come on that. I think I was doing my Royal Blue column for, for tomorrow and obviously contrasting it to, to last November. It wasn't obviously the same round as the competition, but when Frank Lampard made um, his 11 changes. But, you know, you, you can read all about that tomorrow in, in tomorrow's paper or online. But, yes, concentrating on this. on this, era, yeah, I think totally vindicated in Sean Dyche's selection policy. You know, they wanted to build on the impressive display and result that Connor and I witnessed down at London Stadium um, last Sunday. They won the victory of West Ham, and yeah, just a couple of changes, and that and, and that's that's what you need to do. We've kind of all been brainwashed into thinking you've got to ring the changes for the, these League Cup games, and okay, the the big six they've got the strength and depth to do that. They can get away with that. Evan can't do that. And uh, we saw it this year, the, the flip side of it. Yeah, they get the game won and then then make the changes. I mean, Burnley, in contrast, um, they shuffled the pack. They've been struggling anyway. And uh, you know, there, there were a few moments, I think, when whenever one nil up, Burnley came into it, back into it a, li- a little bit. But always, I, I thought, uh, at arm's length. And that was, it was down to the, the, the team he picked and the, the attitude of the players. Yeah, 100%. And... To me, Connor, I think after the game on Sunday, actually, West Ham, I saw a lot of people saying that Everton's performance reminded them of a, of a David Moyes one. But I think Wednesday was was even more of, of that for me in that sense because I felt like under Moyes, we had teams that would rock up at Goodison all the time, trying to play expansive football, split the centre-backs. And they look really good in the middle third of the pitch, but you always just fancied Everton to dominate them in, in both boxes. And from a very early standpoint, and on Wednesday night, as soon as everything got that goal, it just felt like that's the way the, the match was going to go. Yeah, I think what we saw on Wednesday night was, you know, you can play that kind of beautiful, I, good on the eye football. 
where it's all about having physicality and power in both boxes, and that's what Everton have got and barely clearly haven't got. You know, when you think of the you know the the, the balls in which Everton can score and you know, balls and stuff like that, but tolerance and obviously you know at the back, Tarkovsky and Brown played a, a far more short than the Burnley back freeway. And it, it was a strange one, wasn't it? I'm, I'm, Wednesday night because I thought Everton started really, really well. You no, know, deservedly took the lead, but I felt like the worst thing they done was score because as soon as they scored, it was like I don't know they just sat back a little bit. I thought, well, you know, it's been too easy to score us, and Burnley obviously grew back into the game and you know had a, a couple of, I wouldn't say clear cut chances, but certainly hard to mouth ones in the garden interception in the one from Brown Quite to were quite vital, but didn't really you know test Jordan Pickford did they? But they they grew into the game and you know they were. You know, they, they kept the ball quite well. You know, Sander Birch was saying, I sure caught my eye. I think that he played really, really well, giving up back Burnley way. But then I think second half, obviously, once we got the second goal, it was always a case of, you know, if you just do the basic criteria, we'll go into the next round. And that's exactly what happens. Obviously, helped out by the fact that we got a third late on. But yeah, it was a strange night because it was, it was almost too routine. <laughs> it was too comfortable. You're yeah. saying that, Connor. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> to be fair, I mean, you, you know, you, you look at these things differently once you become a journalist and you start working at matches in the sense of once you scored that second, the freedom will be able to write your copy. So, like, you're <laughs> ready to go for, 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 the, for, for late deadlines is, is a lot easier than sitting there at 0 0 or 1 0 and having a whole none. So, it was a, a double whammy, I think, on, on Wednesday night to be able to sit back and relax for that final half hour of. Get it and start start writing anything, and, and obviously, you know, no one really needs to cause the hurdles. The thing is, kind of people listening to this will have no sympathy for journalists. You know, we, we know that. We're not people. We're not. We're not. We're not the sort of people that uh, get sympathy like that. Uh, no, that I don't expect us to. It's just nice. It's just nice to let me tell you, I haven't done a few heart <laughs> moments in the heart of a few <laughs> over the years. Yeah, a hundred percent, and. It, I suppose it was an interesting game, bees in the sense that you know, looking at looking at the, the player ratings that the Connor did in, in midweek as well, and you know, nobody really stood out. It wasn't really like anyone, you know, put a nine out of ten performance in, and, and they were the, the clear man of the match. It felt like everyone had like a, had a pretty good game, and sort mm. of feeding this into the the news that we've had today about Abdullah Kore. I think it was sort of one of those matches that while Everton played well, I think it was quite apparent. To me, certainly, how much Everton miss him. There was just a little bit of a void in that area of the pitch about him, and you know it goes to underscore his importance and goes to underscore how good and sensible a move it is for me personally that, that Everton yeah. have got his future secured. Yeah, as, as you said, obviously that was announced at twelve o'clock today. To be fair to our own uh, Everton correspondent Joe Thomas, he. he- yeah, that uh, yeah, that one first quite a, a few days ago, but um, yeah, definitely um, just sort of knits the attack and the midfield together in a, in a way that nobody else seems to be able to do. And that was at the back of the you know the piece we produced uh, this afternoon on the the decore analysis. So you know he's this false ten forever. We talked about Deitch having false nines, being forced to play a false nine last season because he had no sort of. Um, uh, viable like-for-like re- replacement for Dominic Calvert-Lewin, but the fact that the Corey, somebody who spent the vast majority of his career very much in the engine room, has been sort of moved forward, sort of linked those two areas at the pitch, and uh, Arnott Danjuma, who's been a real sort of live wire at times out on the wings when he has played, um, he, he, he was given the more central um, 
role of sort of providing the foil to Calvert Lewin on Wednesday night, and he and he, he had a quiet game, couldn't really sort of get into it. I mean, he was sort of testament, like you say, to how well the team performance was. That you know, a quiet night for Dan Juma like that wasn't detrimental to Everton's prospects. And uh, obviously, in the end, he ended up bringing Decore on for the uh, halfway through the second half. Um, but yeah, definitely, there's, um, it just—it's one of those that you don't know what you've missed who's gone, and the fact that he wasn't in the team. Yeah, on Sunday at times, I thought distribution wasn't always the best, and that's that's is sometimes a a problem. Although it's been pointed out the amount of um, ground he, he covered uh, in in the game at West Ham, and I guess that's what we all see from him is that that ability to get. Um, up and down, but yeah, in terms of um, the performance, like you said, it didn't have to be an outstanding individual display because it was all about the team unit. It was all about continuing sort of that that uh, that feel from Sunday, just the the way that the team is operating now. And uh, whether we like it or not, and he's like said, he's admitted he's a Marmite manager. This team is now sort of having a feel, a look about it of a Sean Dyche team, and um, that was the big problem under Frank Lampard, not just the results. You're kind of looking at them thinking, well, what kind of team is this? Uh, what does a Frank Lampard team actually look like? What do they produce? You can actually see whatever you think about Sean Dyche. This is a, becoming a, a team in his own image now. And after eight managers in, in seven years, that's something I, I'd argue that this squad desperately needs that sense of identity. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, and I think the manager himself, Connor, in, in his press conference sort of talked about how he wants the, the team to be bonded, I think the, the word was. And I don't think he means in like a, a you know, friendship sense and everyone being together. I think he wants, you know, metaphorical bonds forming on the pitch with, with players in, in partnerships. And and that is understandable, I suppose, when we've had so many injuries and, and so much upheaval with the squad. But I suppose the, the flip side to that is that we've got stability with the eleven now, but you could see, couldn't you, when Danjuma came in. He just he just looked com- completely out of sync with with the rest of the squad. And I suppose from his point of view, that that is got to be a little bit of a worry because if he does come in to the team over the next few weeks, he's he's going to come in cold. Yeah, and, and if we're being honest, you struggle to see where he comes in unless there's an injury, don't you? I mean, I wrote that like in my post match analysis, and you know he he did exactly send the right message <laughs> to Sean Dyche, and I think if. If if on Saturday's back on the bench and the core is back in the in the little bit ten role, no one would be surprised. And I actually I touched on this in the analysis where I was talking about them Juma, but like sometimes it takes for someone not to be in the team to realise how important they are. And I always think on Wednesday night with Calvert Lewin and the core, it's like maybe we've got to start giving this partnership the, a bit more credit than what I kind of get because I don't think it really gets that much credit. I don't think anyone really says them to actually doing quite well. It just seemingly like, well, Calvin's come back in and everything's, you know, everything's changed. But I think they, they clearly have got some partnership going. But I think the, the biggest thing is that Decore's energy and his ability to get around the pitch is the biggest thing, isn't it? And the fact that he can go and play a little bit deeper if needed, if Everton under the cost, or, you know, he can drop back in a little bit deeper. That Juba hasn't got that, that, that ability to do that. And I, I just thought on Wednesday nights as well, he was trying. Like, there was one moment that summed up for me during the second half where you know, Everton two 0 up, 
the ball got played into him and instead of trying to just being under control and playing, he tried this like first time flick and it hit his own leg and bounced for barely play. You're just thinking, it's not going your way, mate. I don't think it's the time to start doing stuff like that. And, and I always think as well, you know, Sean Dice is still watching that. I don't think he's appreciating them flicks either. I think he's no. thinking, just control the ball and, and look after it, you know, tune it up. What, don't start trying to get too fancy and too ahead, too ahead of yourself. So, yeah, it was, it was a strange night for Andrew because I think while his teammates could have, you know, been tossed another well-earned, hard-fought victory in the sense of, you know, going on another run, I think he would have been sat there with a, a bit of disappointment inside. Normally, he didn't quite send the message. He probably wanted to to Sean Dyson. I think now it's, it's a case of you'll only get back in a team if there's injury because you certainly can't see either Jack Harrison or Dwight McNeil being being left out anytime soon for him on either flank, given how well McNeil played. And even though I didn't think Harrison had that good of a game on Wednesday night or as we go to the stadium, Dice just seems to be so high of him that he, he seems an absolute set at the minute. Yeah, definitely. Uh, there were some nice moments in the game as well when uh, I thought Dwight McNeil giving it back to the Burnley fans after that cross was... Was very, yeah, I mean, what was that all about, by the way? I was going to ask, does somebody know anything we don't? It was so. I spoke to him afterwards and he got asked about the booze and he said he was taken aback by the reception. He, got, he didn't really understand why he was getting really? booed. I also thought it was quite telling that he, he got booed, but they got like 20 odd million quid for him potentially. And he, you know, a lot of the supposed weren't that disappointed to see him going. Yeah, James Tarkovsky ran his contract down. Letting her free at the same time and, and never got no booze. I thought that was a bit strange as well. It was, yeah, very, very odd. I thought very, very odd. In general, as well, like McNeil just seems like the least booable fella ever. Like, he's just very mild mannered, isn't he? And like, just quite calm. He doesn't, doesn't ever seem to like. That's the first, I mean, that's the first time I've ever seen him really get angry on, on a pitch when he, when he gave it back to their fans. But listen, he's going to have a bit of extra fire in his belly. Uh, but yeah, I think you saw that in his performance. Actually, I think he was really trying hard to to make an impression. And you know, of course, we got that great, great late moment from Beto as well after a, a mad cameo. I'm sure he's in a similar position to Dan Jim, where he's going to have to to work hard to, to to get back into the side as well. Um, but looking ahead to, to the weekend, uh, Connor, I'll come back to you because you went to speak to Sean Dyche. Uh, yesterday at his press conference at Finch Farm. I'm sure after two wins in a week, two free home wins in a row, he was delighted and positive and talking about how Everton are going to storm up the Premier League and sweep all aside in the Carabao Cup. Not quite. No, no, not quite. <laughs> if Sean Dyche was one thing, he's, he's not meant to get carried away. I think that's for sure. Um, he, he, he was very complimentary towards Brighton and, and obviously, you know, spoke at length about the Carabao Cup in, in the Embargo section was in, in the in the newspapers and the piece that went up this morning, you know, spoke about the fact that that's the first time they've reached the quarterfinals of the cup competitions as a manager, of course, and, you know, and how difficult it is to to prioritise the cups, eh, to go for the cups as well as the Premier League, given that there's a man's and, and the business side of football. But when he was asked, you know, if, if he felt like the Carabao Cup was open enough for him almost in, in his side because of the teams that have gone out in the, the quarterfinal draw, yeah, he shot down and claims and then basically said, no, 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 you know, you've got to still carry on playing to potentially, you know, nothing, nothing's handed to you on a plate. But yeah, I think I think he's more relaxed, which obviously naturally I think was all to do to managers, isn't it? I think he's more relaxed. And I think the big thing for him now is that, you know, he's coming into these press conferences not having to talk about injuries and Dominic Calvert-Lewin as well. I think that's a big thing. You know, you look at, you know, yesterday I was talking to the desk before I went and they were kind of saying, you know, what do you think the top line will be? And, you know, when it comes to injuries, there, there wasn't one unless he was going to spring a surprise on us and, you know, reveal someone picked up and knocked during the, the win over Burnley. 
there was at once obviously you know Seamus Coleman is where he, you know, he's, he's on his way back and he'll probably make, he'll play for the 21s on Saturday but you know Dele Alli and Andre Gomez I think have long been signified that they've got a, a fair distance to go before they return so I think it's helped that he's not having to talk about injuries and when he's on the cover and were a return and you know when are you going to get your first win obviously you know people are seeing signs of progress now and the big thing for me I think for, for a lot of supporters probably you know Everton now look like a Sean Dyche team and a lot of the aspects of what we expected when Sean Dyche coming as Everton managed that we didn't quite see to start with when I was seeing in terms of you know a, a real strong spine you know set up defensively strong real shape to them you know real kind of idea of how to play and how to get the best out of these players and that's the biggest takeaway for me I think in the last few weeks is that I think Everton are no longer you know, filling round pegs with square holes, it square pegs with round holes. It, it's a lot more balanced now the team, and I think that's certainly been helped by Jack Harrison coming in on on the flank. But I think Dad's just relaxed in general because I think women's do that all day. Although I don't feel like they haven't moved that much up the table, just feel that like they're not, you know, they're not going to be nervous looking over their shoulders. Things stand, you know, heading into the the later part of the season if if things stay the way they are. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little. Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Yeah, I think that, you know, there's there's a couple of wins well, against Bournemouth at West Ham, which has given us that extra bit of breathing room, isn't it? But but Chris, it is it is quite remarkable, isn't it, with, with Dyche, how I know he's he's stressed the importance of not getting too carried away or not getting too downbeat. Yeah. But but Connor's right, isn't he? You know, you couldn't tell the difference between that press conference yesterday and the press conference probably after the the loss to Villa 4-0 or the loss to, to Luton 2-1. And you know, speaking more as like a, a fan now than, than yeah. a journalist, I think at times when you, you're in those doldrums, you want to see a bit more emotion sometimes, but now with the other side of it, you know, you can look back and go, well, maybe that that kind of anchor to perspective is is exactly what Everton needed. Yeah, I guess that's a thing, isn't it? We, uh, we you know, we, we we all know about these keywords that he uses and helps the noise being one of them. And that is his responsibility, isn't it? Well, everyone around them maybe is losing their heads and that's just the natural way things were. So, you know, it was a crisis situation. You know, what came in the club Join bottom of the table, and uh, I think he he admits in um, his own private thoughts. So he 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 probably thought that they would have been safe before um, they actually did. Obviously, the final game of, of the season it, it took them to. So yeah, it's gonna be somebody to sort of like you say that anchored that that grounded um, perspective of. I mean, he always maintains he never even look. Well, he doesn't he doesn't look at it. But he says the only league table which counts is is, is the last. League t- the final league table at the end of the season, so it doesn't matter where you are at the moment. It's, it's, it's you know, come the end of May, it's, it's where you, you finish. And okay, there's a you know that that is that is a logical way to to look at things, but it is a marker of your progress. And um, yeah, it, 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 I suppose that you need somebody who, who can keep a, a clear head and sort of keep things in perspective while um, the the rest of us are sort of. Um, Riding that emotional roller coaster, it's often been the case at Everton. Although he did that, he did concede, didn't he? That he reckoned that his nine and a half years at Burnley had about one booking him from Turf Moor, and he 
what do you reckon? There's about at least three. I don't know if that number's going up now uh, at Everton as, as, as we speak. Uh, so, yeah, behind it all, I'm sure he does feel it, but he, he's good at sort of putting that, that brave face and all that stoic sort of expression and uh, keep, keep things on, on the level. I guess that's a good trait, isn't it, in, 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 a, manage, in a manager? You know, you do have, I mean, we sometimes say we like, obviously, then that, you know, he's, he's capable of, sh- of showing passion at times. He's not, not robotic in that respect. But, yeah, just... Um, you know, not getting too carried away with the, with the victories and not getting, uh, you know, because from a, when you are struggling, you need somebody to be there motivating the players when perhaps they need picking up. So, yeah, yeah, that's what we need to be get used to him. And uh, like I said that I think after all all the change and the state of flux at the being at the club, it's just like, nice to have um, somebody um, like that just again, keeping you grounded. So yeah, I mean, it, it, in terms of perspective and looking ahead to to Brighton, I suppose. Last year, Connor, we couldn't really get a game that was as high and a game which was as low when you look back in January. Obviously, at Goodison, uh, losing 4-1. And conceding what I will maintain is the worst goal in Everton's history, that fourth, the Pascal Gross score. Um, that was just horrendous. Um, and then fast forward a few months later, when all felt lost, we went there and absolutely smashed them 5-1. So two very radical ends of the spectrum, but... Um, how, how are you feeling about this one looking ahead to Saturday? Because it, it feels like one of those games that going back a few weeks, you would have looked at and gone, you know, Bulls at home, not ideal, Brighton, pretty good. But there's a bit of confidence building now. And from what I can gather, speaking to, to fans, looking at social media, there's quite a lot of Evertonians that, that fancy this one. Yeah, there is, which I think is always dangerous, isn't it, when it comes to <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> this never really ends well. This does it when people start getting really confidence and, and and you know expectation begins to grow. But no, I think I think tomorrow's a really good chance for Sean Dyche and, and Everton in general to show that they have turned the corner and that they are capable of putting results together and, and build real, real momentum and not having a case of like you know two or three steps forwards, one step back, two or three steps forwards, one step back. Because I think you know Brighton, you know we all know grew up position and be a good team, but. Certainly beatable. I think they they've been a little bit flaky Andy this season, Brighton. I think they've they've shown signs where they've been really really good, but they've also had you know Aston Villa away when they got absolutely smashed. Was it five one or six six one? Was six it six one? Yeah, yeah. They they they've had games where they've looked at you know really flaky. And, you know, even when they played Liverpool, you know they they drawn two two, but for twenty minutes Liverpool could have got two or three, and they had them on the rope. So I think tomorrow will be a really good benchmark to see how far this Everton side have come. And but I look, I think you know when you when you look back to that January game. I mean, I think the the biggest thing is that we're only like eleven months ago or ten months ago. Is like the, there's just that much happening in that time, which is is incredible. But uh, and interesting, I you know talking to Dwight McNeil, I asked about that. You know, you know, his revenge on the man. So obviously, that was a pretty damaging result, and like that nearly a, catast- a catastrophic, you know, end in terms of relegation. And he was like, no, but he did reference the fact that he said that things are very very different now. He said we were in a very difficult place now, but that's not the case anymore. So I think that's quite interesting in the sense of, you know, perhaps Everton went into that game against Brighton not in much confidence and knowing that the manager was perhaps on the ropes in terms of getting sacked this time around. It's the cookie top. So obviously they've had you know, some really good wins, you know, five out of the last seven, building a bit of momentum. And I think you know, now is the time for Everton to start winning games at home because I think the problem they've become this season are really, really good on the road, but not very good at home. And I think, you know, they've got to get back to making good a real, a real fortress because... That's where, you know, if you want to be a comfortable mid-table team, which Everton do, that's where you need to pick up your bread and butter, you know, three points it is is a, is, a, is a home game. So, yeah, I think for me, I think it'll be a really good test and a benchmark to see 
how far the Everton team has really come in, in, in so far this season. But interest as well, Dice said that the five-one performance wasn't the most, but wasn't the best in his press conference yesterday. He, I mean, what, what, what was what was better? <laughs> he said, obviously, which I understand now that when you think about it, he said beating Bournemouth on the final day for the ramifications than it than it meant. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm not sure I'm buying that, but I guess I'll mm-hmm. guess what he means. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I think it'll be a good, a good, good benchmark to see how far this side have come and how far they've still got to go. I think in terms of competing with the top eight or nine club in the Premier League because that's it up right now. Yeah, and it's it's interesting, Chris, because I you know I agree with Connor. I, when I was thinking about this game earlier in the week, it was very much like, well, Brighton haven't been quite as good this year. They've been conceding a lot of goals. Like, you know, I think losing Caicedo and McAllister was was massive for them. But then I looked at the, the league table, and they're still seventh, and they've they played a lot mm. of a lot of good sides, so still right up there. And you know, I think I think the two results against us last year sort of epitomised them quite well in the sense that they could probably go to any ground in the the Premier League and, and pick up a win playing well and win by a, a handy margin but they've also, they also feel like they've got a 3-0 a 5-1 a 6-1 in them every now and then too Yeah they've, um, I, I'll say, I don't think I'm sticking my neck out saying that it probably be um, won't be as emphatic as it was at, at Brighton and that it probably won't be as, as bad hopefully as, as it was as at Goodison last season um, yeah um, I think certainly um I mean, I, I was with Joe at, at Brighton and, yeah, it, it was staggering. I know where Sean Dyche is coming from and maybe that's just his, his bloody-mindedness or his, his stubbornness again, saying that it, it was. But, oh, come on, that was that was uh, it was incredible. Although it was weird that even like a, when I think of three, when it 3-0 up or whatever and, and then second half, John Pickford ends up having to make a load of great saves as well when uh, Brighton are sort of throwing the kitchen sink at it. So... No, we did. Deitch did a number on them that day. You know, he, he whatever it was tactically, he'd identified it and was able to do an effective game plan to to, to counterbalance that. And obviously, it was it was an emphatic look because it kind of just. I think that was so big in terms of the um, the feel around um, the relegation fight. Um, before then, you were sort of thinking, "Oh, game's up forever." And I certainly think Connor and I have discussed this after the Newcastle United home game. You know, when the fans gave so much and it just wasn't enough, they weren't just beating, they were emphatically beating. You're thinking, well, Everton, uh, uh, you know, this this is it now. But then after the Brighton game, because it was so emphatic, you were thinking, well, you can't throw it away now. They they have to stay up after a performance like that. You can't have all that being in vain. And I think it would have also had such a massive psychological effect on all the other teams who were in and around that relegation battle because they thought, oh, Look at what Everton are doing here. We're not going to be able to do anything like that. And uh, yeah, it was a real sort of shift in momentum. But yeah, I imagine it'd be uh, different again. But as, as Connor said, turn the corner in terms of results, but you need to sort of build that sort of sequence together now at Goodison Park and sort of banish those memories of Luton et al. and uh, all the, the other home defeats before. 
before that and to sh- show that you you have actually turned the corner. And that has been one of the things that have, you know, justifiably said about Deitch, whereas he's improved the away form, which was very poor when he came in to the club. And like he says, it's been a two-year story. But the home form does need to improve in terms of the actual results. Yes, they played a lot better in those home games early in the season and been quite unfortunate at times with their, their, their finishing not being um, really sort of good enough. But um, yeah, they, they, it's, it's a real sort of litmus test this in terms of just where Everton are at. Because yeah, they've got, like we said, talking about a bit of feel-good factor and a bit of confidence even going into this fixture. But they need to, they need to back that up with uh, another performance and a result on Saturday. Yeah, it was such a strange game, that, that 5-1, wasn't it? Like, I remember James Garner missing the sitter just before half-time and being absolutely furious when we were sat there, 3-0 up still. <laughs> it's like, we're going to lose this 4-3 now, you know, <laughs> thinking, thinking that's what Everton do. But uh, thankfully... I remember, we th- I remember we thinking that these won it when they scored the fifth in the stock of stars. <laughs> they <laughs> 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 made a 4-1, didn't they, with about five minutes to go? Yeah. And like, I think yeah. it was like a collective, here we go <laughs> from yeah. all of us. We're going to collapse now, but... Uh, thankfully, they didn't. They got they got that clinching fifth goal, which made us all feel better. <laughs> yeah. and whatever it was. I think we were actually um, a few weeks ago to pick out our, our favourite goal on the Dyke so far because we've done the best goal um, at the end of last season. And I picked that Dwight McNeil as, as the favourite, not just the emphatic nature of the, the, the finish as such, but quite a lot of Brighton fans had gone home by that point and those who'd remained there, uh, they, they were let... And their feelings, no. Uh, to, to, yeah, poor old Dwight McNeil. What is it? He seems this like most inoffensive of characters, you know, so <laughs> mild mannered winger from Rochdale, and then he's yeah, he's, he's got all, you know his old fans from Burnley and the Brighton faithful just giving him loads. So yeah, although he did salute them, so uh, so yeah, he was giving he was giving it back on that occasion. So yeah, I mean, he also he salute back, didn't he? I think if, if I'm yeah. right, this is the click where he gets to salute back one of the fans, doesn't he? As well, I think. All right. We might have uh, mischaracterised him after all after eighteen months as Everton play. Maybe he is the the underhand snide that we all <laughs> we all need. Um, yeah. But we'll see. You know, give, we'll see at the weekend. Maybe he might might give it more. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending. Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Um, just really quickly, in, t- in terms of the, the team, lads, I think for me, like, it feels like 10 of the 11 are pretty certain. Uh, based on what we've seen in recent weeks, you know, he, he might bring Idrissa Gay back into midfield, but probably not because Anana and James Garner have done so well together. Uh, big decision, probably, Chris. I'll, I'll come to you first on this mm-hmm. one. Is it right back? Um, yeah. Me and you were vindicated last week against Joe Thomas by saying Nathan Patterson should start <laughs> at West Ham. Uh, he yeah. did very well. Um, he was obviously dropped in midweek, probably maybe more rested. Uh, Ashley Young did all right. He's got his first Everton goal. Um, but it's a big decision, isn't it, on Saturday? Because it's not just playing right back; it's playing right back against someone in Matarimu who uh, has got a habit of making fullbacks look very, very silly. Um, and I think passing in the two games last season had very contrasting performances yeah. against him. I think it'd be fair to say. Uh, but which way 
are you airing towards with this on Saturday? Yeah, yeah, you're right there. And to be fair, he was he played really well at Brighton. So to be fair, um, let's hope he carries on from that from that one rather than the the, the earlier one. I'd, I'd go I'd go with um, Patton, but then I guess this most. I don't know. Doesn't mean that Sean Dykes is going to go that way. You know, he, he's a percentages man, isn't he? And he, he he likes Ashley Young. He feels he can depend on him. And ultimately, I know it was after he was pushed up um, onto the wing at the end there. He got his goal, didn't he? Um, although I've got I've got to say before we finish, massive credit to to Beto for that. Um, I know we we touched on it before, but well, he celebrated it like he'd scored, didn't he? <laughs> oh yeah, I mean. Like he could do with a goal, to be fair. I mean, obviously, it's been tough with him. Calvert-Lewin's, you know, hot again. So, he, he's the man in form and he's the man who's starting. So, Beto's getting bits and pieces. Didn't even get on at West Ham. Um, went with Chimiti, which was, which was interesting. But, um, oh, the, the strength and the, the composure that he shows. You know, if ever there was, you know, an assist, you want to get a credit for that. That that was that was that one from, from Beto. But, yeah, in terms of... Right back, um, yeah, I'd go for Patterson, but I think he'll go for for Young. I just think that um, he trusts him more. And say, that'd be interesting, given that, like you say, the two contrasting matches against Brighton last season. But um, you know, when you just when you just scored a goal, might be might be tough to drop. But you know, he is thirty eight years of age, and you know, it's coming quick, quickly on the hot on the heels of that um, that game barely. So that I think that's the only major issue for me. Because to be fair, on the other flank, I think. Mikalenko's actually been producing some of his most consistent forms since he came to the club and he's probably being helped with Bramthwaite being so solid next to him and that side as the left side of centre-back thought he was good uh, both at West Ham United and against Burnley so yeah for me it is the only sort of real poser is who does he play at, at right back I'd go for Patterson but I predict that the gaffer will go for Young Connor, same question to you. Yeah, it's what you're going to call him, isn't you? <laughs> the gaffer. <laughs> you know who that called me. He said, he said, he said, didn't he? That's what he's everyone he calls it. Yeah, he called it. So you know, he's, he's trying to get brownie tops. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Dyche, that'll do. Yeah, that one as well. <laughs> we well, yeah, are Connor. Same question to you, really, mate. Which way would you go, right back? Well. Given I could win for stick last Sunday because I was a bit people in some people's opinion harsh on Nathan Patterson for his performance at Bolton State, and some people seem to think he did a lot better than what I thought he did. Uh, I think you were a very long way away with Connor, weren't we? Though he was very small, but but I, I think I think it'd be actually young. I, I, I struggle to see him not being actually young to be honest. I think I don't think Patterson did enough last week to suggest that he's capable of defending. One on one against Matoma. Um, I, th- I think he, I thought he struggled um, over against Paqueta. So I, I, I'll be shocked if it is actually young, um, just for the simple reason. Like, he seems to be actually the more, the more choice, doesn't he? Well, I think it's been quite telling that Young spent a lot of time on it. Patterson spent a lot of time on the bench this season when even when two of them be fit. So yeah, I, I'd be surprised if it wasn't if it wasn't young given given the odds. Um, but. You know, maybe maybe Sean Dyche might think I've seen what Lewis Diaz done to Ashley Young in the derby, where his pace maybe passes and might be the best option because he'd be able to keep up at Matoma a little bit more than what Young would be. But I'd, I'd be hard pushed to, to, to think it wouldn't be Ashley Young who starts at right back. That's that's why he's the only conundrum he's got, isn't it? When you think of, like, you know, unless he does do something mad, that is generally the only conundrum, he, conundrum he's got, really. And, and, you know, you suspect that if Seamus Coleman gets himself fit, 
after the international, the November international break, that he could come in at right back and, and the team pretty much repeat itself every week. Yeah, um, um, I think I'm with some of your online trolls there. I don't know, I think had a decent game last week. Uh, Did you? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think, I think he started off slow, but I, I kind of expected that. But I think he grew into it. I think in the second half, he was really good. Um, and I, 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 I think either of them could potentially struggle at the weekend. So I'd rather. Yeah, I mean, look, there is that, and it's a tough task as well. He's been told me. Yeah. He I think I'd rather player. give an opportunity to to pass who played well in a win in a clean sheet. A week ago, if he has a tough game, he's going to learn from it. You'd, you'd hope going forward, but but listen, he, he could come in and, and play really well too. So um, we'll have to wait and see there. But when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think I think one battle that one battle that is quite interesting. One, sorry, is Bramfleet up against Evan Ferguson. Yeah, he's a good player. I, mean, right? I think I think Bramfleet has obviously done really well, and you know, there's probably no bigger fans of Bramfleet than, than than us on this podcast who've been who've been long battling now. But obviously, I think the, the world knows how good he is now thanks to some matches there, you know. Just but just just tomorrow, I think he'll be one of the toughest opponents Bramfleet's faced, isn't it, Ferguson? In the sense of you know how good he is, how young he is, how Athletic he is, so I just think it'll be really interesting tomorrow to see how, how he copes up against them because I think that's a could be his toughest test to, to date. Yeah, could be a battle we'll see for a long time in the Premier League. That one it feels like giving out giving out. Or teammate to mention on the line somewhere. Yeah, But it's that time. Uh, let's do predictions again. Uh, Connor, I'll come to you first. Did you get? Do you predict we'll, we'd win last week? Uh, yes, yes, I did predict that we win last week, yeah. Yeah, so did I as well, yeah. you know. So, continue this form, hopefully. I'll, I'll just see you going on Saturday. I think Everett will win 1-0. I think it'll be tight, cagey, but I think the Blues will just nick it with the home crowd behind them. Lovely stuff. Chris? Yeah, I was thinking along those lines, but then I was looking at that there always seems to be um, a few goals in these fixtures, so similar sort of theme, but um, I, I was thinking 1-0, but I'll go for 2-1 Everton. There we go. Two, two, one. Everton was going to be my shot as well. I, yeah. I, I, I can see us coming out of the, the traps and, and getting a couple of goals, but it wouldn't surprise me if we tired late on here after the game in midweek and them having a rest and them and Everton will be having loads of the ball. So yeah. uh, maybe they'll get one back late on. And but I think we'll see it out. I think we'll see it no, out. Well, five one, no, <laughs> no five one. No five <laughs> one. Uh, I mean, the, the who? <laughs> you never know with this fiction, do you? Um, but yeah, I, I think I think the Blues will, will get the business done tomorrow. Um, so four else, three wins predicted, mm-hmm. three points to, to follow for, for Sean Dyche and the lads in blue tomorrow. Uh, that has been your Royal Blue podcast as ever. Um, you watch us on YouTube, leave your comments, let us know what you think of the team. Who would you go for, Patterson or Young? What do you think about the Corey's new contract and anything else going on with the Blues at the moment? But we'll have a full change squad on Monday. I think it's Wheelow, Joe, Thomas and Gav. Uh, they'll be back to reflect on hopefully a big win for the Blues. We'll speak again soon. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. 